Hi, it's Michael and Anthony here presenting Small Business Banter. A healthy micro and small business sector means a successful economy and a more vibrant society. Small Business Banter is about helping regional business owners better prepare for the current challenges, but also for the next stage of business success. I'm Michael Kerr, founder of Kerr Capital, advisors to business owners. Each week, with Anthony Turner from the Small Business Mentoring Service, we'll interview a different small business expert or a fellow business owner and get them to share their best tips and insights for you, the listeners. Small Business Banter is brought to you from the studios of 104.7 Gippsland FM and is heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Thanks also to our supporters, Kerr Capital and the Small Business Mentoring Service. Welcome to another edition of Small Business Banter. Today, we've got uh, three very special guests, but firstly, I want to introduce Anthony Turner, my co-host from the Small Business Mentoring Service. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning, Michael, and good morning to Dana, Andrew, and Frank, who are joining us today. So, yeah, so Dana Nebraskas is um, from the Outback Alliance. She runs the office. Joining is two of the committee members, Andrew Drysdale, who is a very active director across the um, natural resources management area based out of Toowoomba. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Michael. And Frank Quinlan, who's the Federation Executive Director of the Royal Flying Doctor Service. Welcome, Frank. Thanks. Thanks, Michael, and hi to your listeners. Fantastic to have you all in. Um, what I might do um, is get Dana just to give us a minute or two on what the Outback Alliance is all about and how it ties in with um, with our program. Okay, uh, thank you. Um, hello, everybody. Um, so the Outback Alliance has been around now for about five six years, um, and it is a group of uh, organisations, and I think the that promote remote um, our outback uh, issues, policy, etc. The key issue or the key difference, I think, for the Outback Alliance to other organisations is that it's cross-sectoral. So we've got people from many different walks of life, many different kinds of organisations. So, you know, we do have uh, at least one member who represents small business, um, but that is um, uh, a smaller uh, part of our membership at the moment. And the rest, as you can see, we've got rangelands, we've got um, uh, health services through Royal Flying Doctors, we've got Aboriginal services. um, So environmental services like Pew Trust. So what, as a group, what we've tried to do is identify what are the common things around the outback and how can we work together to try and improve uh, conditions in the outback. Yeah, so the overriding, uh, overriding uh, vision is for a, you know, a thriving outback Australia. It certainly yeah. is, yes. Yeah, and it takes and, a, and a few players. It does take a few flares. And as you know, uh, from a business point of view, uh, in outback communities, 
everybody relies on each other for that community to thrive and function. So without business, without health services, without, um, you know, farming, all of those other things, uh, those communities can't survive and therefore then they don't have education and they don't have a whole range of other things. It's a downward cycle. Can, yep. can I ask just just when you when you talk about the outback outback what where do we where does the outback begin and end? I'll chime in there. Um, the outback covers approximately six million square kilometers or eighty percent of Australia um, or the rangelands outback in interchangeable terms depends where you put put the line. Uh, it, it, but it's eighty percent of Australia. I think we've got probably seven or eight, eight at most um, federal MPs, which would have 80% of their electorate in rangelands. So eight out of a lot isn't a big pop percentage. And that 80% of the pop, uh, of the area has around about 3% of the population, Michael. So that's, that's the challenge that we largely face when we're trying to influence government to um, have policies that, that work for a very, very large area, but a very, very small percentage of people with a very, very small voting power. I guess, Andrew, one of the other issues you might have is also the diversity of people in that you know, very vast area as well. I know from trips that I've done up into the outback regions and central Australia and stuff, it's uh, you know quite an it's a very interesting and very different sort of lifestyle of population that is in in those more remote areas. What what do you see as some of the major challenges, particularly on a from a business perspective, for people living in outback or remote Australia? Um, I suppose I, I once owned a hardware store in Charleville, so I, I've, I've got first-hand experience of what it is to hold own a small business as well as having a property there. Um, you know, the, the challenge of, of any small business, but particularly in remote Australia, is is um, one that you haven't got a big a big um, you know, a big I suppose uh, population to, to sell your product into, um, but there are challenges of accessing your your, your products, you know, um, of transport, cost of transport, that that's hard. In in particular, the challenge of in in the regard to perishables, um, that's particularly hard to make sure that you're getting fresh fresh tucker out there. Uh, I know in Queensland's case, you know, our, our rail system was one that we largely relied on to get products uh, to 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 the you know regional communities and remote towns. And that rail system is all but all but but vanished. So that's that's a that's a big challenge. Um, we around the Rangelands Alliance, we've got we've got uh, we've turned our focus to four four policy areas uh, to start with, and one is around procurement and trying to get governments, particularly with government services, um, or government funded um, jobs and projects and the like. But also very large corporate ones to you know, have procurement so that people in those local communities, those businesses in those local communities, have a at least an equal chance, if not a better chance, of competing against those bigger, um, you know, those bigger bigger providers that that sit in the, in the in the coastal parts of the country. So there, there's some of the challenges, Anthony, but. Uh, but then the diversity of the people that live out there—that's one of the, the the fantastic things about being in the in the outback. You know, 
there is diversity. You walk down the main street of any of our communities or Alice Springs and, and you see diversity um, um, across a whole gamut of age, of, um, you know, of, of ethnic background, um, First Nations people, and, and, and you know, we, we by large live in a pretty, um, well, we live in, you know, in a pretty collaborative way and it's pretty special. There's no doubt about it. it certainly is. Um, the, the policy areas that you cover, you know, include, um, you know, the natural environment. That's a, it's a massive part of it. Um, economics. I think what the what were the other um, uh, so uh, couple of land key... land based livelihoods. So obviously the whole pastoral um, uh, sector and health and you know frank can talk about the health yeah. side because he's the one who's out there um experiencing um on a day-to-day basis the the health realities or he isn't personally but his organization uh, of health so they're the, our key areas yeah so and this is why that you know in in the reading i did there's you know the interconnectedness of all those is so uh, critical. I guess we we might take some of those things for granted outside of Outback Australia. So, Frank, do you want to just um, give us a little bit of perspective on on your organisation, which is known to many, most if not all Australians, and, and um, y- the work you're doing? Yeah, sure. Um, the Royal Flying Doctor Service is sort of really a, a child of the Outback in many ways, not not a visitor. Uh, so uh, uh, communities in remote parts of Australia, uh, mining companies, Indigenous communities, others have supported the Flying Doctors for uh, more than 90 years now. And uh, our, our, our core service is really about ensuring that folks who are living a long way often from the, the tertiary hospitals and other places can get the care they need as, as and when they need it, uh, we call it the mantle of safety, just ensuring that when someone gets sick or when someone has an accident, uh, that there's a service poised and ready to go to, to, to pick them up. Uh, but we also know that uh, folks living in Outback Australia experience poorer health than their city uh, cousins. Uh, the people uh, die earlier, they have more complex illnesses, uh, they often don't get access to some of the basic sort of treatment services and preventative services uh, that we take for granted in the cities. And so a big part of our service is also about um, ensuring that those primary health care services uh, delivered by doctors and nurses and allied health professionals are actually taken out to those communities uh, and people get access to some of that uh, prevention and care at the earliest possible time. Rick, with those um, health issues you're talking about in the uh, remote areas, uh, you know, obviously accidents and things like that. You t- I heard you say about the uh, sort of um, shorter lifespan out there. Is that sort of because of the harshness? Is that because of um, nutrition type things, or is you know, and the access to you know, appropriate foods, or what's what's sort of some of the key issues behind that? Look, it's it's a really complex challenge, and that I guess is partly why we're part of this Outback Alliance, because the sort of direct health things you can think about, you know, if people aren't getting their preventative health checks as often as others, um, they might be living a long way. You know, we've got plenty of folks who are living a long, lot further than an hour's drive from a, a local GP or a nurse clinic, so they're not going to be getting uh, some of those regular checks as often as they could unless there's special arrangements in place to deliver them. Uh, some of the issues that you talked about, about diet, 
sometimes about the harshness of the environment. Uh, we, we talk about social and emotional well-being, that you, you really have to take the whole package all at once. And there's plenty of positive aspects, as Andrew identified. You know, pl plenty of people really take on outback living as, as a lifestyle because they, they love that lifestyle and they love the community that's often part of uh, living in the bush. Uh, but I guess the, the main message of the Outback Alliance is that if we're going to be asking folks to, uh, you know, farm our fibre and our food or uh, mine our minerals to do those things or uh, uh, tend our um, traditional lands, then, you know, we really have to put in place some special measures just to make sure that folks are getting access to this, this, the care and services that uh, they need to support them. The, the theme of commercial infrastructure has come up a few times. Um, what you're talking about, you know, it, for a sustainable outback is, a, you know, is a much broader definition of infrastructure, you know, personal health and, you know, well-being and all those things. Can we just slightly um, switch? I, um, I'm really interested in um, the, the work you're doing um, is laying the foundations to educate and to create awareness. Where where do you see, we've come out of 2020 with a, it's been a challenging year, you know, right around the world. Given the work you're doing and, and the feedback you're getting, where where are you seeing op opportunities for, for Outback Australia, for regional Australia mm -hmm. in the next little while? Is it from, um, if we take away international tourism for, for a period of time, do you see domestic tourism as really creating some great opportunities and some energy and some and some hope about um, some of the businesses, Andrew? I'll give you an example uh, of, of 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 opportunity and challenge. Uh, in September last year, I, I was out of Winton, which is about twelve hundred kilometres northwest of Brisbane, um, and uh, I ran into people there that that were. They had a son over in America and they were doing a, an outback trip that they had planned for a long time but never had done because they always used to go and visit their, their son in America and they, they couldn't do that. And, and that, that town was absolutely buzzing with, with local, local tourism and, uh, and, and, it, was, and it, was, it was a great outcome, particularly for the local businesses there. But that night we went to the pub and the poor old publican was just about down on his knees because we, that pub, 1,200 kilometres from Brisbane, where I think there was two or three COVID travellers in, in quarantine but no community-based thing, had to abide by the same rules as a pub in the middle of Brisbane. And that fellow had been dragged over the coals because he hadn't got his um, his diners to sit down. You have to sit down. You can't stand around and drink. Mm. And I thought the absurdity of having a set of rules that was set up for a for a for a bar or something in the centre of Brisbane, applying to a pub twelve hundred kilometres away, and um, and he uh, and it was being enforced. So that's a great example of where the publican had benefited from 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 COVID. You know, and showcasing, um, but the absurdity of having a, a one policy for all applied across yeah. across across the broad spectrum of, of, of the country. So there are examples that we yeah. look at through the Outback Alliance and, and particularly around COVID, where we're trying to um, 
get governments to realise that you just can't take a one policy brush, whether it's uh, around COVID or, or whatever, and, and apply it across the mm. whole country. Yeah, it goes goes to the very heart of like that that small business, that hotel is a centrepiece of you know the community and and uh, it's it's you know puts that owner under enormous personal pressure to want to make a living but also do the right thing. Just um, quickly on today's episode of Small Business Banter, we're talking with Dana and Frank and Andrew from the Outback Alliance. I think, Frank, were you uh, about to uh, chip in with something uh, along that line? Yeah, look, I was only going to say that uh, that that small businessman that Andrew uh, identified, the publican, I I, I don't know him, but I I would be prepared to place a very large bet that uh, he will also be raising funds for organisations like the Flying Doctors. Uh, So it's it's not just about uh, building his uh, business, which is important, but I think we need to recognise that a lot of these business people in these communities really are the foundation upon which a whole lot of community activity takes place. Uh, the, the Royal Flying Doctor Service receives something like 60 or $70 million worth of donations each year uh, from folks who are literally building their own communities. And, you know, that we feel that creates quite a responsibility on us to make sure we do the best we possibly can to deliver those services. But as Andrew said, it's also about how we think uh, differently about those communities to make sure we're giving them what they need uh, to do that work because small business people are often the leaders in communities and are often gathering other community supporters around them and uh, that's important ultimately uh, to health but it's it's important to people's lifestyle and health in the broadest possible sense as I said earlier it's the whole the whole package of social emotional well-being I think this question for me is probably more Andrew's question. I'm just wondering, Andrew, um, you're talking about the 80-20, sort of the 80% of land is in the, um, you know, a part of regional sort of or outback uh, Australia. Um, we, our organisation, Small Business Band, we tend to reach a lot of coastal type businesses. So we're part of that 20% of land, but probably 80% of the population. So my question is sort of around the um, how do you think small businesses in this more populated, more populated areas can actually um, work together with regional businesses and or support regional businesses in new and different ways to actually um, help you know, provide the support that's needed in those more remote areas? Good question, Anthony. And actually, it's 97% of the population that are in that 20% uh, area. Yeah, I was, I was being literal, um, or liberal but, with that. Um, <laughs> You've done a bit of research, have you? The, um, uh, I suppose I'll come from an angle and be interested in Dana and, and Frank to, to also chip in here. But probably the biggest area that I think those small business people is through their chambers of commerce and the like to to help uh, their, their, their country brothers and sisters in small business to have access to government and influence in government. You know, uh, those, those small businesses sitting in 3 or 4% of Australia, they're, they're, they're but a tiny, tiny, tiny whisper when they go to Canberra. Um, and they need the, the, the collective might of the, of the small businesses and the Chamber of Commerce that sit in our big regional areas and our capital cities to get right in behind them and, and support them around whatever particular issue. 
and a good example, using our Witten friend as an example, uh, to go to government and lobby government and say, look, this is absurd that we've got a set of rules down here applying to small businesses in Brisbane and they've got to apply to a small business which is 1,200 kilometres away. So I think in that policy arena is is the area I, I I think Anthony that they can they can really really help out. I mean it it would be lovely to think that a small business in in Brisbane will choose not to compete to win a government contract uh, based out at Roma or Charleville, but in reality you know that they, they've got to run a business they've got to they've got to make a profit. So I think that's probably stretching it a little too far. So apart from the policy side of it, what about the more pragmatic things that, you know, small business, small businesses or businesses in the more populated areas could potentially do? So, you know, are there things, you know, are there challenges that you're working on? You mentioned supply lines and different things like that. Are there things like that, that practical things that can be done that, you know, our listeners might pick up and say, oh, here's an opportunity to maybe partner with and or work with um, businesses in the more remote areas to make life better for everybody. Oh, well, you just, yeah, that, that would be one, um, to partner, um, to uh, even to provide, um, you know, maybe some of their staff, their experienced staff uh, go out to equivalent small businesses of the same type in, in remote areas and spend some time there to help upskill their staff would be a great great example of um, of a collaborative approach. You know, a, a small business in Sydney adopting um, or building a, a, a brother sister relationship with a small business in Broken Hill um, would be would be something that you know I'm sure the people out out in the remote parts of small businesses would appreciate. Um, but I'm I'm open to ideas. You've just thrown up one there before, but uh, that's yeah, that's a good question. I think we uh, a partner organisation in this is a small business mentoring service, and and they're all about supporting um, owners and you know whether they be you know in outback or in in, in um, sort of more urban areas. So we you know we, it is a shout out for you know for any of those owners out there listening to to contact the small business mentoring service or you know we've had um conversations throughout this series of programs on mental health on um seeking advice um because it is a lonely it is a lonely um and challenging time for um it's always been lonely in small business at the top but it's even you know more challenging you know frank you talked about the uh, well-being of owners and and we did have an earlier episode which I'd encourage um, people to check out where we uh, we had um, a spokesperson from um, Beyond Blue it was I'm sorry yeah so uh, but it went to the very heart of that because you know we're, we're trying to support them so you know encouraging owners to reach out to somebody that you know talk about those things and and not to uh, because as you said Frank. Um, they support the the Royal Flying Doctor Service. They support the local footy club, and um, you know we we see this um, thread. You know, if if the small businesses aren't you know prosperous and and the owners aren't well, um, or or you know uh, or uh, dealing with the the day to day challenges, you know it it kind of the community can take a big hit. Michael, I, I actually think that's one of the big learnings that we've had out of this whole. COVID crisis, really, really on two fronts. My, my work before I came to the Flying Doctors, uh, I worked for eight years in mental health and uh, 
the Royal Flying Doctors actually deliver uh, mental health services into communities where there may not be the same local services as we get in other places. I think one of the learnings from the COVID crisis is that all of our mental health issues are, are talked about much more. You know, the isolation of quarantines and lockups has affected people, the pressures that uh, folks are under when their business is disrupted. Uh, because the community requires shutdowns and quarantines and so forth. I think that has led to a much more uh, open discussion about mental health issues, and that can can only be important. And as you rightly said, uh, the sole traders and, and small business people who are often working, you know, long hours in pretty tough environments in and facing big challenges often can get, you know, particularly isolated, and, uh, and that's uh, not, a, not a good place for them to be. Uh, but the other thing that I think we're learning, going back to your original question, I think out of the COVID crisis is that there is just this sense, I hope, of, of interdependence. And I think that folks in the city uh, are realising that, you know, we're all linked together. The, the outback's a long way away. Uh, but if there's going to be a COVID outbreak in a you know, vulnerable community in the outback, that's going to affect everyone. And I hope that part of what we're doing is rethinking some of those uh, ideas you've mentioned about supply chains, about uh, partner arrangements, uh, about opening up the policy discussion to say, well, actually, how can we make sure that we're all, uh, we all have this basic level of safety and security, that we recognise our dependence on each other and uh, that we encourage our governments to, to do their bit, but also that we continue to do our own bit, whether it's businesses working directly together or folks rattling a tin to raise some funds for a, uh, a remote outback uh, service or business. You know, there, there are just plenty of opportunities and I hope that the COVID crisis is just bringing some of those to the top of our discussion. 100%, Frank. And um, I, I think as, you know, as people um, have more, more limited options, um, over the next little while, they're going to they're going to be travelling out there, and, and maybe that becomes a bit more visible. So, um, look, thanks so much for your time. We're we're at um, at the end of our program, um, uh, Dana and and Frank and Andrew. We'll put the um, links to to the Outback Alliance and 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 the other organisations that you're a part of that into our show notes. Really appreciate appreciate your time and insights today on small business banter. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Mark. So that's all for today's episode of Small Business Banter. Anthony and I continue to be inspired by bringing you small business experts and other small business owners and hearing their stories. For any of the links, resources or information we've talked about on the show today or to contact Anthony or myself, please head over to smallbusinessbanter.com or you can find us on both Facebook and Instagram. Anthony and I would love you to tune in at the same time next week for another episode of Small Business Banter.